Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 911, what's your emergency? Una Señora, ¿me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí, yo pensé que alcanzaría a cruzar, el hijo iba rápido, creo, y después... ¡Ay, Dios mío, qué horror! No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Necha. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 95 of Is This Real Life? I had been doing a lot of thinking this week about whether or not to record an episode, just given everything that's going on, and many podcasters are doing media blackouts in support of Black Lives Matter. I decided to put out a podcast just because this is a creative outlet for me, and hopefully it provides some entertainment and sometimes even a needed distraction for you. That being said, I would like to encourage all of my listeners um, to join me in supporting Black-owned businesses in their communities and also to donate money to organizations that are working to end systemic racism in the United States. I am donating this week to Campaign Zero. Those of you who know me know I'm a huge policy nerd. I live in D.C. and love to talk about policy and think about policy solutions to problems. And Campaign Zero works on policy solutions for ending police violence in America. To donate, go to joincampaignzero.org. Now, my guest this week is Megan O'Donnell from the Bravo Happy Hour podcast, which is out on Tuesdays and Fridays. We do talk a little bit about some of the Bravo celebrities' reaction to what's going on and some of the racism that we've seen on Bravo ourselves. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast, and most importantly, I hope you are all staying safe. As always, I encourage you all to reach out to me on Instagram. I am at ITRL underscore podcast. That's ITRL underscore podcast. Now, I hope you enjoy as Megan and I break down this week's Vanderpump Rules, Reunion, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and The Real Housewives of New York. Hi, everyone. I am here with Megan O'Donnell from Bravo Happy Hour. Hi, Megan. <laughs> How's hey it going? There. How's it going over in Brooklyn? Things are good in Brooklyn. Lots of really fun, active protests going on. There's a lot of great vibes. Um, definitely tensions do get high, but the NYPD set an 8 p.m. curfew, which is insane. 
I like felt awkward going to get groceries last night. It was like seven ten, and I was like, you know, just better go right now. Don't wait another minute. God forbid. But I think, um, you know, I think some of our cries are being heard, and it's exciting. I hope that's so. in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Have you been following the different Bravo celebrities and their responses? Yes, it is. It runs the spectrum, which is like all Bravo things. You, you know, I think people are people are now really honing in on certain Bravo celebrities and how they're responding to things and how they're acting up. And I, I want to say, like, why are we surprised Kelly Dodd feels this way? Why are we surprised that Ramona Singer feels this way? Kelly Ben Simone, a myriad of other people. Vicky Gumbelson zips her lips. You know, you know, you just wonder. It's like they've had a track record. <laughs> of being pieces of shit. Can I curse on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I won't curse a lot, but I don't want to say anything too crazy. Um, but, you know, it's like now there's like public outrage that they're behaving a certain way or thinking certain things. When it's like, well, if you were watching with a keen eye of some of their behaviors in the past 15 years of Bravo television, then why, like, oh, now you're going to be outraged? So I think interesting but a lot of people have done incredible work like Portia Williams and Candace um, Potomac have both been really um, I think inspirational in how they're dealing with everything right now I know at Portia is just incredible and she was interviewed I forgot on if it was like the local Atlanta news or or what oh, but both that. like during the protests and also um, from her home about what was happening and she was really good at like pivoting because they were talking about you know rioting and looting and she was like refocusing back on the movement and I'm like I don't know if she's had really good media training or if she's just like really good at focusing on making her point and staying positive but it was it was a really well done interview yeah, I think Portia obviously grew up as like the granddaughter of a huge civil rights activist. So she's probably had a lot of these conversations with highly educated people who really know what they're talking about. So I feel like this is actually something that she can truly speak to. Of course, like she had her Underground Railroad flip up like her first season, which like, poor girl. No, not, not good. <laughs> not a good look. But, you know, it also shows growth and yeah. it shows that look at her now, like where she is and how she's helping. And of course, the underground world doesn't exist right now. So, OK, you're fine. But like in contemporary society, I think she's being a really powerful and strong voice and and standing up for the right things, but also not being what I feel to be aggressive or mean, because I think black women especially always get typecasted as like the angry black women and I, I a lot of times I think fans can put that label onto people but she's like very passionate she is angry and you could feel that anger but it's not being seen as that like I think people are actually listening to her and respecting what she's saying versus you know like I mean you, we can go through the list of idiots on Bravo who have said <laughs> you know off these things but I think she's really making a good point it's a righteous anger you know speaking of being typecasted I feel like uh 
people who've been watching Vanderpump Rules are starting to have their own reckoning of how Faith was treated on the show. And I've noticed a lot of, you know, people talking about what what happened. And for those who um, haven't been paying attention, um, Faith was on the show, I think, in the third and fourth season. And then in the sixth season, Mm -hmm. she's the one that had a tryst with Jax and was primarily blamed um, when Jax appeared to get off kind of scot-free with the group of friends. And um, when she was on the show, she did this interview recently um, and on Instagram and she was saying how Lisa kind of told her to bring the Nini energy as if like all black women are just like Nini leaks from the real housewives of Atlanta, which is bizarre. And then when she didn't bring as much drama or what they wanted, she wasn't given airtime and wasn't um, doing confessionals. I don't know if like she her contract was supposed to be like full time or friend of or, or what it was supposed to be, but it never ended up getting what Lala got as a new person. Yeah, I think they've always did uh, done face dirty. You know, she was exposed for hooking up with Jack. And after that moment, she was completely silenced, never to be seen on the show again. And every single woman on the show slut shamed her up and down the streets of Los Angeles as if. Jack wasn't the one who did the bad thing. And it killed me to see this woman just be immediately silenced, off the show, banished, done, done with, thrown in the trash. And how unfair. You don't even let her speak. And Jack is still on the show. It's Jack's show, Jackson Friends, whatever you want to call it, you know. And time and time again, it, it, you see like, Lisa Vanderpump, I stand up for gay people. Gay rights is my thing. Well, where is a single person in the LGBTQ community other than Billy Lee, who was basically shamed the entire time she was on the show and fired? A very similar situation to what happened to Faith. And so sometimes when I have like a bone to pick with Lisa Vanderpump, but I think, you know, you can't, you can't say you believe in all these things and, you know, have this life where I just I don't want to I just think she's a fucking hypocrite and I think with the Max and Brett comments uh that were being addressed in the um in the reunion this week is another example she's like I'd fire any of you if you like if I would have fired what did she say like I could have fired any of you guys for the things you've done or whatever but it's like yeah well Stassi also was like calling herself a Nazi a couple years ago and like making jokes like that like there was no repercussions Lisa Vanderpump said nothing no one's fired and yet Faith hooks up with Jax and is immediately canned yeah sad well let's go into this week's Vanderpump rules oh man so when they do address Max and Brett's comments and Andy gives them time to respond and we learn something both on the reunion, but also on Max Instagram this week, that he is part black and his grandfather is black and his mom is half black and he is a quarter black. And he says that doesn't really give him an excuse or a reason to use the N-word or to say racist things, uh, but it definitely changes the tone a little, um, at least for me when I was listening to what he had to say on Instagram. And what was so fascinating is he was like, I didn't want to bring this up 
when the situation first happened because I didn't want people to think it was an excuse. And, you know, I see why he did that. And I think that made some sense. It sounds like he's processed some of what's happened. And then what I think some of the other cast members had issues with, especially with Tom and Ariana, is that they called out Brittany and Jax about their pastor who was homophobic, but they seemingly didn't call out Max and Brett. And it sounds like they did it um, not publicly, but it sounds like they voiced their um, how upset they were privately. And I wonder if it had anything to do with Max's background or just that they, I don't know why they chose to do one thing on camera and another not. I think it also it just happens to be timing. Like, you know, the whole uh, Brett and Max tweet things came out a couple of months ago, so they weren't filming. And also, Tom and Jax have had a 20-year friendship. It's a different kind of conversation when I think, like, he's like, hey, dude, like, this is really messed up, and it hurts me, and it hurts my girlfriend, whatever. But he's like, I don't know, Max. Like, I don't know who this guy is if he feels this way. And, and you know, of course, it's, like, a friend's place to stand up, but Tom Sandoval doesn't need to tweet everybody, just got off the phone with Max, yelled at him for saying racist things. Like, what normal person does that? Like, and so for Jack to be like, you didn't hold him accountable. It's like, well, yeah, like, how do you know? How do you know anything? And I mean, as much as like, I, yeah, it does soften the blow a little bit. Okay, great. He's a quarter black. And so maybe that makes it a little bit better. But like, he said disgusting things about Asian people. He said disgusting, disparaging things about African American women not just calling them the n-word but like making fun of them saying oh my god this girl on my college campus looks just like precious and not just because she's black it's like well what's the other reason bro yeah you know i didn't i don't remember so many of those tweets i just (laughs) they're all such dumpster fires all of these people on this show it's like you can go through every single one and be like, let's say 15 terrible things Jax has said or Stassi has said. And so sometimes it's hard when Jax is like, and you didn't yell at him for this? It's like, Jax, if we really should go back all eight seasons of Vanderpump Rules, we could probably get some pretty great sound clips of you saying racist, homophobic, ignorant things about a million different people. Oh, and the other thing I just remembered was that Stassi and Kristen this week have been called out because they called the police on Faith because they thought that she had been stealing or breaking and entering into different places uh, because there was footage and they thought it looked like her. And a lot of people would say it didn't look like her. I I don't remember looking at the pictures, but the idea that you would call the police on a, a person of color, black woman, is just, you know, without thinking twice, shows kind of where their head is at. Yeah. Where and all of our like, society's heads been at, like, as far as white people. I think, I so I, like, went back, because this was obviously blowing up on Instagram yesterday, and so I went to the Bitch Bible, which is, like, Jackie Schimmel's podcast, and she had Stassi on, and that's, like, where Stassi was talking about all this. And the two of them were spitting so much hate. It was so aggressive, making fun of her wigs, calling her the C word, oh my you know, saying a million terrible things, that bitch, like calling her all these insane things. She was homeless, you know, she lived on everybody's couches and she did this. Well, you know what? She got fired from Vanderpump Rules. You know, maybe that's why she's struggling with paying for things and getting a house. And also because of, you know, systemic racism makes it a little bit difficult because society's fucked up. But the two of them were so negative and Stassi ended up getting in a conversation and was like, oh, well, 
oh, you didn't know about this whole situation with Faith? Faith, I was drunk at a bar with Kristen and the two of us were talking about Faith and then we saw something in the Daily Mail that it looked like her. And so we started calling the cops. We called the military. Uh, Oh my God. What what do you think a fucking tank is going to go to Faith's home? Oh, I think it was because Faith was in the military at the time. Oh, okay. Because yeah. when I saw that, I was like, oh, even that. So she's a vet, too. So even I think she was in active military at the time and maybe went AWOL. I don't know. It was interesting. They couldn't seem to find her for a period of time. I mean, it's possible that, you know, Faith is sketchy, but all of them are sketchy. And Kristen is probably the most sketchy out of all of them. So it just seems a little hypocritical to be focusing on her. Now, speaking of Kristen, we find out at this reunion that Max and Kristen slept together a couple times in October and November because they're neighbors. That was the example. Well, look with our neighbors. Oh, my God. That is so hilarious and so just on brand for Kristen. She's like hot young thing on the cast. I will, you know, get bring over some Witches of WeHo wine. We'll play some music, some Fleetwood Mac or whatever she likes. And we'll bone. Like, that is, it's is so, so funny. Stassi was it- so upset about it. And I think she wanted to speak up on behalf of Dana because... Dana, number one, was probably too shocked to, like, find her voice and share it. Visibly upset. Visibly upset. So it sounds like at the time. So filming had just wrapped. And I guess Dana and Max had sort of reconciled but weren't really together but had a couple times, I don't know, on and off situation throughout the fall. And that probably was going on at the same time that this thing with Kristen went on and not only that Dana was opening up to Kristen about Max um, and Kristen just didn't feel the need to share with her oh yeah I'm sleeping with him too (laughs) like she does this to all of her girlfriends it's messed up and I know like half the fun of Vanderpump Rules is like the incestuous relationships and how everybody's hooked up with everybody but come on, girl. You can't just let one guy on the show without boning him. Also, poor Sheena. Oh. Little Shishu, who, like, loves this loser. Like, even that, it's like, you have no conscience, conscience or like, remorse for any of your actions. She's like, I was single. It's like, and it sounds like Sheena wasn't that upset with Kristen over this, but I also think that's because Sheena's in a really great relationship right now. I feel like if she, she was happy. still single and kind of running around L.A., she might feel differently. So that was shocking. That was definitely probably the most shocking thing to come out of the reunion. Everything else I expected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brittany saying that the hardest choice or the hardest thing in her entire life was having to cancel her homophobic pastor. It's like, what, because you agree with him and you'd have to fake it? I was like, that's the hardest thing that's happened in your life, Brittany. That should be an easy decision, not a hard one. But I okay. think, and not to defend Brittany, because I think that definitely <laughs> should not be the hardest thing you've ever had to deal with. Um or it, I don't know, it seemed to sort of be like hyperbole. 
But if this man was very close with her family and her family sees this person every single week and she sees this person and is friends with his kids and friends with his family every time she's home, I do see how it's hard to call out someone so publicly that has been in your life for so long. And I think a lot of people are dealing with this right now with how their family members are reacting to what's going on. Um, with the Black Lives Matter movement and having to have really uncomfortable conversations with their white family members that maybe they've never had before um, and tried to have these conversations. And so I feel like Brittany is someone that never does the right thing right away and avoids any... She can't handle conflict. She just avoids it. She tries to be Switzerland, but it doesn't suit her. So she you know, doesn't want to talk about LGBTQ stuff. She doesn't want to talk about whether or not she supports Katie and Stassi or she supports Kristen. Like, she doesn't want to take a stand on anything. And that is frustrating. Yeah, and, like, watching just her and Jack have any sort of interactions with one another is just painful. And, of course, like, they've been quarantined for a long time together. So, of course, yeah. tension could be a little bit high. But just, like, the way he speaks to her, it just, makes me sad and then I think I read in some interview or maybe it was like secrets revealed or he's like Brittany you think you're gonna leave me alone with the baby the baby's your responsibility and that just broke my heart I'm like Brittany do you he people tell you exactly who they are he is literally telling you I will never watch that kid that kid is your kid with my last name period I know he won't, doesn't want to be left alone with his own child. It's like he doesn't trust himself and he wants supervision all the time. It's like you're 40. You don't need to be supervised anymore. Grow up. You shouldn't be a dad if you don't feel comfortable spending three hours alone with your kid. Period. And it's it's shocking. So selfish. And it, it, it was just, it hurt my feelings. He's like, you know, like she doesn't even like, take it as she laughs real work she laughs and it's like no girl you're gonna be like very sad and very alone very soon whenever you guys decide to have a kid because this isn't gonna get any better you know when you're up every moment the baby cries at night like you think Jax is getting up and doing diapers and you know he'll have like his scenes where he's like daddy duty like Ah, like he peed on me or like what you know like Jax will have his like hygiene scenes on Vanderpump Rules and make him seem like a good dad take him a kid to the park but then behind the scenes and in real life like she is just gonna be on mom patrol 24 7 and of course like she wants to be she wants to be a mom of course and she loves gonna love her baby but not having any moment to breathe to get a manicure to go to the gym for an hour like because your husband can't be trusted with his child. It's And what's even more shocking than all of this is how they kind of laugh it off. All of them. They've just been like, forever, that's just Jax being Jax. And why is it okay for him to do so many things and not okay for anyone else? Everyone else gets called out and never Jax. He's the worst guy, really, ever, I think. Obviously not ever. There's a lot of bad men out there um it's just hard to watch zero growth from season one to season eight and like of course like in the beginning he was like a cheater a player a liar 
now he's just like a liar, you know, a bad husband, bad friend. And like, that's not endearing anymore. In the beginning, it was fun because he was younger and like, just was different. It was different. But now it's like nothing has changed where, you know, Stassi was really crazy. And of course, like her growth is different, but you at least you see like, oh, wow, like you have grown a little bit. Oh, you're with a partner who actually like makes you better. And there's just a little bit of growth as with Sheena. Like, I just feel like things maybe are moving in a better direction for her. But Jax, like, refuses to change because he refuses to see that he could ever make a mistake. And it sucks. And, like, Sandoval is, like, in the firing, like, squad. Like, he is, like, the main one he targets. And Ariana, the way he speaks to her, it's just disgusting. And he's so threatened by the two of them because they don't feel the pressure to get married. And they don't feel the pressure to have children. Or the exact things that Brittany put on Jax, you know? And so I think he feels... Like, wow, so they can get a house, the same house that we've got, but they don't have the wedding. Ariana's proud and bisexual, and clearly, like, she can hook up with Lala, and Tom doesn't care. Like, they have an arrangement that works for the two of them, which is probably a situation Jax would enjoy. You know, Mm -hmm. so I think he really sees the fact that Ariana is strong, strong strong-willed, knows what she wants, doesn't need to cater to anybody, doesn't need to bow down to Sandoval because he respects her and loves her as a human being besides being his girlfriend or whatever. And I think Jack's just, I just think he is just so painfully jealous. I think he's jealous too. I also think he doesn't like that Ariana's consistently been the one to call him out. That's why he doesn't like her. He's just like, well, I don't like her. He doesn't apologize for making fun of or mocking her sexuality. He doesn't apologize for anything he's done to Tom. And I'm so glad that Tom finally was like, no one else has done more fucked up shit to me, friend or foe, than Jack's motherfucking Taylor. And I was like, yes, this is years, years of buildup of Sandoval being treated poorly, always apologizing for things sometimes when maybe it's not warranted. Obviously, it was warranted when he was um, freaking out at Stassi and those horrible text messages. But, you know, he he kind of cops up when he makes a mistake. I think it seems like at least from what we've seen, who knows what real life is like. But yeah. Jax finally, you know, his friend finally was like, okay, enough. And it's sad because, like, Lala and Stassi taking Jax and Brittany's side because they're the married ones. They've got it all together. They're married. Being married doesn't mean anything about, like, who you are. Like, great. It's amazing. You found love and you decided to be with someone forever. Great. But that doesn't make you, like, all of a sudden, like, the... A grown-up. Yeah, like like that's gr- that's like, the thing is yeah. they're trying to separate between who's a quote unquote grown up and who's a child still. And they think that the new people on the show and Charlie in particular are kids and they're young. And that's true. They are young. But just because you're older, one doesn't mean you can't relate at all. And two doesn't mean that you're more mature. And maybe they can't relate to the lifestyle. They don't go out the same amount. They don't whatever. But based on what we see during filming, they still drink a lot. They still do drugs. They still party. I don't know how that's very different from Charlie's lifestyle if she kind of goes out like that. I don't I don't see a huge difference. I think they're all just like threatened that there are newbies coming in and yeah. potentially pushing them out. And 
Lala is just the worst. She's the one after this whole season, even more to me than Jax, where I'm like, you don't bring me anything anymore. You've gotten on your high horse. You've become a complete hypocrite. You treat everyone the way that you didn't want to be treated when you were first on the season. You act like, I mean, I was really glad to see her apologize to Ariana um, in this episode because she's been really tough on Ariana. And she said, I held on to what you said to me when my dad died which was kind of saying, she said it was behind her back, but I think Ariana said similar things to her face, which is like, you know, toughen up, which is what Ariana was told when her dad died. And so it just really was hard for me to watch Lala be so mean to Ariana when they both have like lost a parent. And if, you know, and I've lost a parent, it's a tough thing. And um, Jax has, and, you know, it doesn't mean that you treat people with kid gloves, but there is a level of empathy. And I felt like Lala just took it a step too far. And clearly watching back, she agreed. Yeah. And it was hard to watch their entire friendship this past season because, you know, in the previous seasons, you know, they had those moments where she was like, you know, like you need to look in every part of your body in the morning and say, I love you. And Ariana was going through like her pretty serious body issues a couple of seasons ago and Lala was actually there for her and I felt like wow like she's a good friend really coming and trying to help and just give her positivity and make her feel good whatever but then this season she's like you're depressed you're a buzzkill you're this you're that you're this but I ate you out so I think I know how you feel I think I know how you feel it's like Lala I've said you've hooked up with a lot of men and don't know how they feel you know and can't like just because you hooked up with someone doesn't mean you've been a good friend for them, been there for them, or tried to help them through a clear mental health crisis that Ariana's been going through for the last few seasons on national television. If her friends on the television show can't see it and viewers can, like, yeah, it's, how is that possible? It's so interesting because it did seem like there was a little bit of a not a break, but like some distance between Lala and Ariana. And they both agreed to it and both sort of Lala blamed Ariana for it. Whereas I don't think Ariana blamed Lala. She's just like, if Lala wants to hang out with Stassi and Katie and Brittany all the time and like not include me, like, okay. But Lala was very upset with Ariana for like feeling that distance. I don't know. The whole thing was, I'm hoping that they're not in that terrible of a situation now because I really did feel like they could bond over both losing their dads and, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression. And, you know, I'm hoping that they can get over it. But I do not see the friendships being repaired, at least with Jax and Tom. I don't know about Kristen and Stassi and Katie. But again, if Kristen doesn't change and doesn't acknowledge anything, um, it sounds like we're going to get more into it this next week about all the stuff. But for Katie and Stassi, they've kind of been more clear lately that it's about Kristen and how she's tried to make them look like a bad, bad friends on camera and done weird stuff the on camera versus off camera. And that keeps coming up. And that's the part I love the most of all this is like what said on camera versus off camera. And with Jack's, Tom Sandoval they were all like Tom Sandoval needs to shouldn't have brought this up on camera about the pastor it was more that it was on camera and not that it was done 
it sounded like. And I feel like they have some sort of unspoken or spoken agreement about what you talk about and what you don't talk about. And then when someone deviates from that, it causes a lot of friction. And so with Kristen, she did indicate that she wanted to talk about her relationship with Carter and how there were problems on camera. And when Katie and Stassi made that opportunity happen, she acted like they were crazy and blamed them instead of like she's the one that started that conversation off camera so yeah and i think that confuses viewers because we're like wait what do we know like kristen yeah like huh like are we missing something is there something we're missing and i think this season had a lot of those moments where it's like even dana versus charlie like there was a lot of beef that the show and on the secrets revealed where charlie freaked out on dana and so then it made sense when Dana was kind of rude to her on the reunion. But, like, why didn't we see any of that? Right. Like, good stuff. <laughs> I know. So Charlie was a ray of sunshine on this reunion. I thought she was hilarious. Many of the OGs that. thought she was rude, except for Sheena, who stood up for her. But she's the one. Jax was so obnoxious to her. And when she would be asked about something or when she would comment about something, he'd be like, know your place, little girl. Like, shut up. And this is our show. Yeah. And then finally she was like, I don't know. You're like 50 years old. Like, I don't need to listen to like this 50 year old man. It was so funny. And and then you're retired. (laughs) I know. And he was like, I'm tired. And she's like, yeah, it's past your bedtime, old man. And um, Brittany was like, I've never seen someone be so disrespectful. It's like your husband is routinely way more disrespectful to you on screen. Uh, It's so it's every family member of yours during the Jackson Brittany go to Kentucky. He literally was begrudgingly giving money to Brittany's sister who needed IVF or sister-in-law, whomever. And, and, like, at the end, he was like, I don't even know why I agreed to match all those stupid donations. It's like, bro! She, what? Oh, he's and so... She just, and even her father said to her, like, Brittany, like, I don't know if you should do this. Like, do you want this forever? And she's like, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, And it's like, kills me. Cause she's just like... I don't think she's innocent in all this. I think the two of them are sitting up in that house, making fun of gay people and saying atrocious things, you know? And I do kind of believe that, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean, like, you can have, they're perfect for each other. They're both just assholes. Yeah. Some assholes. <laughs> so I don't want to go too much into um, You know who together. else might be perfect for each other, but I can't figure out, is Denise and Aaron. I was literally hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> I like can't quite tell, but something is like very on or very off. And I'm not sure which one it is. So let's let's pivot to Beverly Hills. So um, this week on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, we saw Garcelle get an award for the L.A. mission. And I really like seeing especially the newer people's backstory because we want to know, you know, what makes them who they are and just a little bit more about them. And it turns out that she had a, a son from a previous marriage who had some addiction issues and she couldn't really be there for him. Like kind of she said, we did everything that money could buy. Uh, but, you know, when he wasn't around and I knew he really needed 
support when I went to the LA mission and fed people it was as though I was feeding him by doing this and it was really beautiful and she got this award and then she shaded Kyle a little bit in her uh, when she got the award and she was like and shout out to my new friends or maybe not so good friends or something and like look directly at Kyle And Kyle's just flabbergasted because I think she thought that after Lisa Vanderpump was off the show that she would be smooth sailing for her. No such thing. No such thing. And they even after the award kind of all get together and have a little chat. Denise is over chatting. She has to get up at 6 a.m., the next day or has to be at work at six so she leaves and they're annoyed that she left and then Garcelle calls out Kyle very specifically and says I feel like I don't know anything about you it's all very surface level and I feel like you look past me and I appreciate her honesty (laughs) yeah I think Garcelle is such a great breath of fresh air on Beverly Hills she says what she means and I just really enjoy that, even with, like, Teddy's thing, where she's like, you said I don't have to go? I'm not going. Like, I'm like, that is me to a T, like, 100%. But this episode was nice because we just kind of saw, yeah, just a different side of her. Even watching how proud her sons were of her, like, made my heart melt a little bit. And it was just nice to see that and her ex-husband coming and supporting her just seems like she's got a really great head on her shoulders and the fact that she's on this show with some of these ladies cracks me up and you know her calling out Kyle was needed because Kyle doesn't have conversations with people it's the Kyle show and we're all just living in it you know and and it's nice that you could say you don't ask me questions like we sit next to each other at a dinner and even at the like what was it oh Kyle's dinner they were talking about like what is one thing you didn't know about me when you first met me or like that you got wrong? And she was like, that you were so fabulous, Garcelle. And I'm like, what kind of bullshit answer is that? All of their answers are bullshit except for Seth, of course. But that moment, I was like, you can't even say anything. It's a little bit interesting, a real first impression. Just I didn't think you were going to be fabulous. Yeah, so then Kyle has this barbecue that everyone and their kids are invited to. And, um, you know, Rinna on her way there seems a little annoyed. She shares with Garcelle that Denise, like, will talk about Kyle behind her back, but won't say it to her face. And I feel like Rinna is going above and beyond to be a shit stirrer. And I feel like maybe she should let some other people like Teddy stir some crap because Teddy, this this episode really was like kind of pushing on a few things and pushing a few buttons. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think everybody's problem with Denise is so outrageous. You can love having threesomes and wild, great sex and happy endings and all of the above, but you can also not want to discuss those things in front of your children. I don't have children, but I don't want to talk about what I like to do sexually in front of my mother or my grandmother. It doesn't matter who. And so the fact that they're like, she was in the movie Wild Things and talked about threesomes last year. So why can't we talk about that in front of her kids? Kyle, do you not remember a couple of years ago when you refused to take a fucking bite out of a pop brownie because you were so terrified that your children would look down on you when you're in freaking Amsterdam? It's legal there. It's legal in California. So it's like they put all of these judgments onto Denise, who's like not denying that she's freaky, which like, hell yeah, you should be. That's great. Everybody should be. Everybody should be embracing their sexuality. 
And if I had a man like Aaron, I'd probably be talking about his big dick too. <laughs> but, like, like I, I, I cannot believe they're all, even Erica Jane being like, she needs to get over it. Maybe her kids are having threesomes. Like, even that, why are you saying that? Why are you now then putting that narrative onto her children and making people think that? Like, it just is so stupid and they're just like grasping for something to fight about. And Denise is like, I'm not having it. And yeah, maybe Denise doesn't tell Kyle off as much as she should or she's talking behind her back, but they're clearly not friends. And I don't think Denise is someone who like gives a crap what Kyle thinks. Like if she's like, why do I have to confront Kyle about this? Like we're going to get nowhere and we consistently get nowhere whenever she does try to talk to her. So just give up. I, I think I think I've mentioned this before, but it seems as though Denise got a certain edit last season. And I don't know if it was that was what she was showing or if that's what producers decided to put forward. But the women all saw last season and I think they felt that it didn't show the real Denise and they were frustrated because their negative sides were shown and she got off scot-free. And so I feel like they're looking for ways to prove she's a hypocrite or has two different personalities or isn't consistent at any chance they can. And this is just to them one example of how she's not consistent or she pretends to be one way but really is a different way. I wish it didn't involve the kids because it just seems really unnecessary. Um, But I also think Denise could have let it go. Um, She seems to keep bringing it up also. And, you know, you not sharing that Sammy seemed to be okay with it was also like making it seem like it was a bigger deal than it really was. So she also didn't contribute to like de-escalating the situation, especially yeah. once they said at the barbecue that they felt that they were being mom shamed as if, if you don't feel like it's okay for your kids to be around me, I could see how that would feel very offensive. All they needed to do was say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I hope that you feel okay having your kids around me. I won't I won't bring things up around them in the future. I see how that could be frustrating. And also, your kids have... A, Denise described it very well. She's like, being the children of Charlie Sheen and Denise Richards is not easy. And it's it's there's a lot, right? And they're going to be learning a lot probably as they get older about their parents' marriage and things that aren't great situations with their dad situations with their mom and it's not been an easy smooth ride and so I think she's trying to shelter them as much as possible from even more stuff and I think that she expected Lisa Rinna who knows the most about her and her history and her relationship with Charlie to be the most understanding but instead she's the one trying to call out Denise the most yeah it's interesting where their friendship is kind of going because Denise is definitely clocking Rinna for stirring the shit about this and keep bringing it up and yeah I don't know the whole situation is kind of weird and I think honestly it could be another situation where we're not seeing things right we're not seeing the whole story story. that's what it feels like and Beverly Hills is, like, 100% known for that. Like, that is definitely, like, Kyle Richards, I feel like, is making phone calls on the side. Just like Lisa Vanderpump did. Just trying to, yeah. yeah. What we're going to talk about, what we're not going to talk about. It's, 
So then Aaron is there and it's funny. So none of the other spouses, well, so Sutton brings her boyfriend along who seems like totally nice. I like him. Taddy's husband is there, but he's really watching the kids primarily. So he's not sitting down at dinner. So Aaron is the only one sitting down with them aside from Sutton's boyfriend. And he doesn't like, he feels like they're picking on Denise and he just tries to shut down the conversation, but in a way that was pretty demeaning to the ladies and also to Teddy. It just didn't feel great. Yeah. He doesn't always know how to really speak, especially like either like in full sentences or <laughs> to people. Like, I think he's really stoned. I think he is like high off his ass and then also drinking reposado meat all night and I think you know he thinks he's making these great points and standing up for his life but yeah I don't think he understands like the words that he's saying and then the tone of in which he's speaking to these women and also you know other than Sutton's boyfriend no other man was at the table to defend their wife and sometimes like when the one dude is kind of aggressively yelling at like a bunch of ladies it's like bro what are you doing like chill out like this is this is just not... I feel like there's a side of him that's really aggressive and dark, and Denise doesn't want that shown. She wants to paint him in a certain way, and I think everyone knows this, right? So that's why when she got up and walked away, and she was like, don't say a fucking thing, we're on camera... Um, and then he, like, said something really mean to her, like, I'm going to, like, like hurt your hand. hand or something. Yeah, like, I'm going to squeeze because they were holding hands. Like, I'm going to crush your hand. That seemed really not okay at all. And I think um, Teddy tweeted about this and was like, when I said, like, he was being really mean, like, I've got receipts. So... It seems like Denise is trying a little too hard to produce her own life and to show it a certain way, and the women are frustrated by it. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't also try and show, you know, things in the way that, but I do think Teddy is shown pretty accurately. She's pretty boring. Erica only lets us see Tom and doesn't let us see her son. So she's kind of also producing what we can and can't see. Rinna is showing things, but her husband's not very involved. You know, uh, like, everyone kind of has their limits. And then when Denise sets them, they it's triggering for them. I don't know why. I think a lot of them also harbor insecurities because Denise is a movie star. Denise is famous not because of this show. And I think she came in with a million-dollar paycheck, and everyone was probably kissing her butt. Yeah. And... And that is hard, especially for Kyle, who's, like, been on the show for 10 years. This is her life. You know, it, it cracks me up. Denise is like, I do six days of work a week, waking up 10-hour days, and I come home and cook dinner. Kyle was on set for three freaking days and has, you know, thrown four parties for her great success and done all these things where she is like, I'm a working mom, period. Like, someone's going to put food on the table for these kids. That's it. I think the paycheck thing is a big deal. I think she came in and she's making way more money than all of them. And it's all on her terms and they don't have the leverage and they're frustrated by it. And maybe it was okay for one season. I don't know. But this season, they are not cool with it. I think they saw how she was portrayed. She got the darling edit and 
every single person, whether they came on my show or my own opinions, anywhere on Facebook, I love Denise, I love Denise, she's so real, she's so real. She does, like, she really juxtaposes the other women, where even, like, at the barbecue, she was, like, in jeans, flip-flops, and a t-shirt. Like, completely casual, normal barbecue wear, whereas Rena's wearing probably a $2,000 dress, got her hair done, makeup done, and so Denise doesn't need to do that, doesn't need to go to Glam for 30 hours to do one scene. It doesn't need a stylist to do the scene, to shine in the scene, to look beautiful. And so, yeah, get paid the big bucks. So I can see they're like, what? You don't even put in half the work that we do. And you get more money? And the fans love you? We're not having that. Not right. in our house. <laughs> right. I also just need to laugh at Aaron's gift that he brought to Kyle. He brought her some sort of crystals in a bag that you put under your pillow and it gets rid of migraines or EMT, or some something I didn't understand. I've always said I think he is a conspiracy theorist and pushes things like pseudoscience, um, or just, I don't even think it's pseudo, it's just not science. And it's, um, I think it's dangerous because when you say that there's a treatment for something and it doesn't actually work, then, you know. I think... I'm, I've said this on my show. His energy work is big dick energy work. Like, that's it. People <laughs> go to him because he's hot. And you go to him because he's hot. He's a doctor. He's a Beverly Hills. She, she, she. Fancy, he, wait, fancy he's a doctor? doctor. Of what? I, uh, in and I'm doing quotations. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in, in the beginning, he's a therapist. He's an energy healer. Therapist. It's like he attaches, like, weird things to people's fingers. And they're like, oh, my God. All of my problems are gone. <laughs> my inflammation is gone. My acne, gone. Oh, my God. I don't have psoriasis anymore. Like, like I just feel like he's just, like, like, he's just so hot. People are like, I completely agree. You have fixed me. My cancer's gone. Even if it's not, it's gone. It's gone. It's like, so funny. Like, I don't think he's that hot, but maybe it's just not my type. I I. <laughs> It's something about, like, he seems like he's someone who would be an anti-vaxxer, although he's not because, uh, or at least I don't know if he is, but Denise has vaccinated their kids because there was a lawsuit between Charlie Sheen and Denise Richards where he was pissed that she brought the kids to the pediatrician and got the their vaccines, and he ended up paying the pediatrician's bill in, like, pennies or something. He did something really just frivolous and obnoxious to like get back at it. The judge ruled that he didn't have, he couldn't make the decision not to get them vaccinated. I don't know. There's so much messy stuff between Denise and Charlie. It's just insane. And I do feel bad for those kids for like, they're going to grow up and they're going to know about all the drugs that were involved in that marriage, the fighting, the domestic violence, the sex workers, the, you know, there's, there's a lot there. And, you know, it's and then with Charlie's one of his other wives had a drug problem and then the, the their kids came to live with Denise for a while. You know, remember, so Brooke Mueller, I think was her name, ended yeah. up in rehab. And for whatever reason, the twins didn't go to Charlie. They they went to Denise and they were young kids. Denise ended up taking custody of them for a period of time. She's a saint. Like, yeah. in so many ways, she's a saint. But I think her picture is off. First yeah. Charlie scene, and now this Aaron guy, who we just got a little peek into what he 
is like maybe behind closed doors. And I, you see him with Eloise, her daughter, and they have a beautiful relationship. And that's why I really liked him last season and right. felt like he's a great man. I think, I don't remember if he adopted her, but I vaguely believe he might have. I think have, he might have, which yeah. Which is an incredibly respectable decision to do. Like, that's a big step when you just met this woman. I think they had met, it was like a Khloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom situation. They had met like two months and they got married quickly. And so... I kind of was under the impression that, oh, like, you know, he seems like a good guy. But then this season, yeah, we're, we are seeing a different side. But we'll see, I guess. We'll <laughs> yeah, see what I happens. More. I need more. Beverly Hills is good. Beverly Hills is good. It's really good. What do you think of The Real Housewives of New York this season? How do you feel without Bethany? Do you feel like they're all unhinged or is that just me? I think they were unhinged when Bethany was on the show as well. But Bethany just would, like, scream and call them whores in their faces. And- <laughs> But tell Dorinda on that plane, she was like, you're an alcoholic. You do not see any of the things you just said to all these people for her Puerto Rico relief. And, you know, so I think Bethany, like, definitely kept them accountable for some of their actions. Whereas Bethany was also out of control so many times. Don't get me wrong. She was not like an angel. But I don't miss her at all. But this season has been a little darker just because it's just like a series of vignettes of alcoholics doing absolutely devastating things to their friends families loved ones like production everybody i had a girl actually she hit me up and she was like doing the flowers for the party in rhode island and she sent me this video like a behind the scenes (gasps) video and it was like sonia running after luann screaming luann i'm a shaman i can be your shaman (laughs) even that like just this one clip, I'm like, God, this show is so good, but what context is any of this happening? And I just, I love the show, but... I love it too, but there is an unhinged feeling that I'm getting that I don't think I fully felt in prior seasons. A, a little yeah. bit more, and it's with the addition of Leah, it's with all of them, kind of, you know, it's with Dorinda just absolutely losing her mind in almost every episode and no one really being able to yell at her about it and tell her to stop behaving the way she's behaving. It's it's crazy. So they start the episode in Newport and Sarah, Leah's sister, joins for lunch and everything seems fine at first. And then they go to this dinner at a restaurant that is owned by a friend of Tinsley's. And it's clear that in particular, Sonia, Ramona and Luann aren't that comfortable with having Leah's sister there. So instead of just sucking it up and sitting down and having dinner, they go to the bar and they hit on like whoever's there, some guy who is engaged, who lives in Washington, D.C. and grew up in Arkansas. We learned so much about this stranger. <laughs> For real, I know more about this stranger than like, I'm trying to say, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it was so bizarre and they just wouldn't sit down to dinner. And that's where I really felt Bethany's absence because she would have had them in their seats right away. Slapped in. Like with a seatbelt somehow. (laughs) And I think part of it was that it was on Tinsley and she's the one that organized it and she has no control over these women and they don't respect her. And part of it was that Leah's new and I think she could get people to sit down but wasn't sure how to exert her control yet, her sort of newfound respect they have for her. 
But man, was that a weird situation where you could tell it's just like, why won't they sit down? But they just didn't want to deal with Leah and her sister. They were mad. You know, when Dorinda's like a somewhat voice of reason being like, I'm going home. Like, this is not good. Like, (laughs) it's never a good sign when Dorinda is the calm one. But Ramona and Sonia... Luann, I think, has been a model citizen this season, for, for what has. it's worth. But I thought Ramona and Sonia were so mean to Tinsley and so mean to Leah and her sister. Just suck it up for a day. For a night. You gave her one night. Respect her for that evening. It just was It's just was sad to see. And, and then, like, the next day, Leah's apologizing for throwing a ravioli. Which, like, also is hilarious in itself. That and, like, I so love when funny. Ramona had, like, the ravioli on her face. And what's her name? Elise. Nobody. Uh, was like, Ramona, you have ravioli all over your face and hair. And Ramona's like, huh? Like, didn't even know. But she doesn't they're flinch. chugging martinis. Like, not just drinking wine. This season, they've all moved up to hard liquor. Because they think they're like, oh, it's, you know, you don't get as bloated when you drink hard liquor versus wine and they last episode they were drinking martinis this episode they're drinking martinis and dorinda said it best a couple of seasons ago where she was like martinis are like breath one's not enough two's just right three's too many and i i had three martinis when i saw countess luann at countess and friends a couple of years ago and i was so trashed after the show this was like before it was like a major thing i think it was like the second she had done like two or three shows in New York and then did like another round of like two or three at like this small club. And after she would like come out and hang out with people. My drunk ass was speaking French. Like I got like my college <laughs> French out. I'm speaking to her in French, like literally like probably like heavy breathing in her ears. Just and then I remember like waking up and I was like, oh, let's look at the pictures. And everyone, I just looked like annihilated. And I'm like literally whispering in her ear. It's so mortifying. And that moment I was like, okay, you're going to do the martini train to Two. max. Yep. Max. <laughs> no, I 100% I agree. It's just, it's it's crazy to watch them. And then there's this scene with Leah and her parents where she kind of brings up that she's drinking again. She knows it's a sore spot. And her mom is like, well, you know, it's... It, has been an issue people stop drinking for a reason you stop drinking and it's also in our dna and it sounds like they have some alcoholism in the family too so it's just interesting that leah keeps resorting back to the like oh her mom is being triggered by her experience in high school but there is a period where leah was drinking where she was like most of her 20s she was drinking that's not high school anymore you know yeah. She was sober for and nine also years. Had her kid, right? Leah had that kid when she was twenty-four. Like she had a kid young. She had a kid young, and then she got sober at a period after that. And so, because I think she did it that time without going to rehab or doing AA, she seems to not. She's like, this is a decision I make, and I can change it at any moment. And she won't accept that she has a problem with alcohol. I don't know. It's it's a bizarre situation. And you see this playing out. And then you also see all of them. You see Luann's situation. You see Dorinda. You see Sonia. Like the only one who seems to be somewhat behaving 
is Ramona and she's already batshit crazy. So like you can't quite tell if she's doing something because she's drunk or just because she's Ramona. <laughs> well, that's another thing. It's like, I, I think since episode one of season one, like you just realize you cannot hold Ramona accountable for anything. She will never. I'm sorry. I'm point. sorry. Okay. The <laughs> apologizer. Like she'll apologize. She'll, she'll acknowledge that she hurt someone because she'll see that they're sad and that she caused them pain but she will not clock any of her actions to get them to that point and then won't ever change and will do the same thing in three weeks. And what seems a little bit different about Leah is one, that she's willing to take some some form of accountability and two, that she might actually change her behavior based on what people tell her a little bit. Because yeah. she said when she apologized, so they have this tea party. <laughs> They're wearing fascinators and they're having tea sandwiches. And she apologizes to Ramona and Ramona's like, okay, let's move forward. And Lee's like, no, I want to hear what you have to say. Like, let's have a conversation about my behavior as opposed to just let's gloss over and move on. So that was new. And Ramona is completely unable to have a conversation about what she actually was upset about with Leah's behavior. Also, I think it's another situation where because Leah is willing to apologize, Ramona just accepts it and doesn't accept that or like doesn't even acknowledge that she did anything wrong. Because she's like, look, you're the one apologize. You apologize first. Right. And you did the bad thing. And then they make up. And then she's off stop free. <laughs> and then she just prances back over to Sonia. And the two of them are fucking practicing up doing their antics, which I love. Wait, that's the worst thing about Ramona. Like, she is such a questionable person. Her all lives matter moment, you know, some million terrible things she has done on this show. But then, like, I love watching her. Like, even when she was leaving the restaurant after the fight with Leah, she threw the ravioli. She's like, she's not getting invited to my birthday party. 60 women. Yeah. 60 women. <laughs> and I was just like, she's... like, why does this make me laugh? Why am I so why am I enabling this? Why do I want to drink Ramona Pino? We are all <laughs> enablers of the Real Housewives of New York. We love watching them. We don't want them sober. And no. yet we criticize them for drinking. So we are part of the problem. But man, is it seem to take a sort of different route this season, where as I feel like there's always one season or each season prior, there was like one person who had an issue with drinking primarily that they focused on, like whether it be Tinsley drinking too much or Luann being arrested or Sonia, you know, falling and like the police, you know, the ambulance having to been called. Like <laughs> I forgot about that. What, whatever those are. Now it seems like it just rotates. They're focusing on Leah, but they all have problems. Well, it's an easy projection. She's young. She's new. And even now, she's like, I respect my elders. And not only that, she respects, like, her co-stars who have been on the show for 10 years. Right. And knows if I don't cozy up to Ramona, if I don't be nice to Lou, if I don't, I mean, her and Sonia have a very strange relationship about the Morgan yacht, which, I mean, Sonia is living in 1998, still in her head and what she thinks her life is. But I think it's an easy punching bag. Although Leah will fight back they still can dog her. Yeah. And and then she acts so poorly that they, they could use those actions to defend 
why they're being mean to her you know so it's kind of like a cycle and the only way the cycle will be broken is if Leah stops like getting blacked out drunk and acting insane and and don't get me wrong like I love it love to drink have had a moment or two myself but like girl you're pushing 40 and you're like ripping down drapes at a custom beautiful event in like this beautiful outdoor area in Rhode Island the fanciest town in the world you're acting crazy knocking things over somersaults flipping I saw a meme it was like the exorcism of Leah McSweeney and she was like yeah she contorted her body into these weird it's interesting I wonder how she'll be at the reunion with this because does she maybe not know what she looks like has she never really seen herself drunk and now to see it on camera must be somewhat shocking I I would think (laughs) yeah and, and I wonder like what I don't know. I don't know. And it, it, like you were saying before, like she doesn't feel the need to go to AA and doesn't feel like she's going above and beyond with being drunk. Like the first time in the Hamptons, I thought it was just going to be like a moment and they were at someone's house and like a house party, all the ladies having fun. Of course, get drunk, get wild, have fun. But once you start like bringing those antics, to like a beautiful event that someone planned. A girl, the girl who did the flowers is hitting me up. Like they had a flower person. <laughs> they had custom staff. Like they, there was a lot of effort put into this. Of course, none of the ladies did anything themselves physically. But when you start destructing like a set piece, it's just like, this is not a good look. Like, and you know, Avery, Ramona's daughter had like that whole thing on Instagram where she was like, mom, this is crazy. Like, how are you? friends with these people I like kind of agree with her if I ever saw someone ever doing that you like call the cops like I don't know like you just you can't act like that at a restaurant like ever it just I don't know I thought it was just so weird and and I know like she was upset about like Peter Chip guy rejecting her and then Ramona and Sonia rejecting her and then being all wishy-washy about the sister's invite because she was like very vulnerable it's but not an excuse. It, There's not an excuse, not an excuse. To, yeah. to behave that way and, and kind of take it out physically on all of the things around you, you know, and she was like, I just needed that. I feel so much better. And it was like, no, this isn't like a long run where you like get it out. Like <laughs> She was treating it like a really intense workout class where yeah. she worked oh. through her emotions physically. And and that's just not what happened. So <laughs> something the opposite. It was a physical exertion, but not in the positive kind, not a full cycle class. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is something else. I do really like Leah, though. I feel like she's pretty open, pretty vulnerable. We're really seeing everything about her. I don't feel like she's holding anything yeah. back. Uh, which is nice. Now, speaking of holding things back, it turns out that Tinsley went away for the weekend with Scott and a friend of a friend of a friend took a picture of her and Scott in Niagara Falls and sent it to Dorinda. And then Dorinda does a sort of gotcha thing with Tinsley, pulls her aside at the tea party and is like, I know you're back together with Scott. I have a picture of you guys. And Tinsley's like, listen, we're not back together. I hope maybe it'll like lead to that. I'm not sure I'm ready to share that with everyone. Dorinda forces Tinsley to share it. And the women basically are like, okay, 
you don't want to hear negative things and just decide to be with him and own it instead of like hiding and pretending. And that's sort of where we, we leave the episode. It was a funny moment because Kinsey was like, Dorinda, I just really don't want to talk about it. Dorinda's like, great, well, I'm going to the table. I'm telling everybody. And now for the the five minutes at the end of the episode, every single person at that table is going to give you their opinion on your relationship. Exactly what you didn't want on a platter. <laughs> so you wonder why she showed up late. Like, she's like, fuck, I'm going to get... Rude. And whoever took that picture of them in Niagara Falls is like the same person who took that picture of Tom and that other chick kissing at the bar. Like, I love like a grainy shot from the distance where it's like, he'd be Tim. It could be them. It's not quite clear, but <laughs> you're relying on like a quote, friend of a friend of a friend, aka random person DMing you on Instagram. Yeah. Also, like, that is such like a Reddit thing. Like, I could see someone being like, spot it. Kinsley and Scott like and I could see Dorinda being like but yeah that was my friend who took the picture right right like people are hanging out in Niagara Falls she knows all of them <laughs> and also, then what an odd place to be like going on like a romantic date they're like Toronto and then from Toronto we went to Niagara like, and she's like we went to Niagara for a couple hours I'm like did you just like take a private plane from Toronto to Niagara Falls <laughs> and then back just to have like lunch and Niagara- there it's so they bizarre the maid of the mist and like do the whole tour like <laughs> they wear the ponchos, the ponchos. <laughs> I've been there too dude it's kind of incredible though I will say I'm a fan of Niagara Falls on the record <laughs> it is it's a good place oh man these ladies they just I love them but man this the last two episodes have really felt unhinged and it's like left me feeling shocked and not necessarily in the best way, the way that I was when they were crazy in the Hamptons. It's a little bit more of a like, oh, this might be a little, a little too far. <laughs> it's like they're in another state. All bets are off. All rules are off. Nobody has any self-control. And, you know, that is why we love it. But they've got to get some, like, more fun scenes what I love about the Real Housewives of New York is that the ladies doing a workout class together can be really silly and they have the ability to just go for a walk in Central Park and have an incredibly hilarious conversation and getting their hair done going shopping like sometimes you need a little bit of those filler scenes where as of right now I feel like we're just getting like here's another eight table eight chair table with (laughs) a lot of free booze and none of you are eating clearly and go, go for it. And I think the producers know it's low hanging fruit. They'll, they'll act crazy. Something will happen. But I think that that needs to be balanced with some other things, whether it's more family scenes, because on Roni, you don't get any kids. You don't get any husbands. Cause none of them have, hus- I mean, yeah, none of them are, they're all pretty much single. Mm-hmm. you know they all have children who are older so those kids are not trying to like be on screen so you don't even get like mommy scenes you just get like all of them being insane. single women yeah. insane going crazy with each other all of whom are having the exact same problems but then yelling <laughs> at one another for having those problems it's just it, it doesn't make sense but I want to make my career talking about it <laughs> like <forever>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. <laughs> I do love it. I think, I mean, there's something so haunting too about Roni. And I think Brian Moylan was the one that said like, these women are haunted. 
they all are haunted by their past and only a few of them are living in the present. Even Tinsley sort of seems like she's living in her debutante era. Leah only, I mean, but Leah keeps going back to high school and the situation she had with her parents and her mom and her struggles from high school. It's like, you're not in high school anymore. Luann is planning her new cabaret, Fuck, Mary Kill. And <laughs> it's like, you know, and of course, this the guy who's running the show that they show the scene with is just like playing into her ego and like, you made cabaret a thing again. It's like, did it ever go away? Cabaret has always been a thing in a very particular <laughs> niche area, you know? It, it's so funny. and um, But when she's the voice of reason, I really feel like something's off with everyone else and that's how it felt this this episode and this season has just been a period of transition for a lot of them where Lou like can now drink but is now choosing to not drink and that's I think her big point of tension Dorinda's dumping John and had to now deal with this big house renovation which like white people problems please she's like I mean granted like it did seem like so much terrible damage I can't even imagine but she's like, you know, able to easily reconstruct this beautiful home and do a full redesign and the architectural digest, like beautiful spread. So she's, I think, like dealing with the house and Richard's death and feeling being alone and drinking a lot opened up about how when Richard died, she was drinking from the morning she'd wake up until nighttime. And so even that, like it was a little bit of a nugget of like, oh, okay. So like this isn't a new thing, you know? Yeah. And Ramona's still single and feeling that pressure and not having Avery and moving. Sonia has not changed one bit since the moment she's up on screen, I think in season two or season three. Yeah, so, three, you know, I think. That's just, and that's also, I think, like annoying for viewers where it's like, nothing's changed when Sonia just has like a levity to her so I do like Sonia I like her best when she's providing comedic relief and not when she's being mean like when she's being a mean girl and not being nice to Leah it's not a good look for her when and when she's being too drunk that's also not the best look I like her when she's just not the craziest in the bunch but provides just some comedic relief when they were at that party in the Hamptons and she goes I know it was so or when she's like I'm seeing double and feeling single it just like it just rolls up these lines are incredible she's oh my god at one time I forgot what they said it was a couple episodes ago uh she was called out on something she's like whatever that was 17 diarrheas ago (laughs) I I can't get enough of when she is doing things like that or even just being in her home, like I oh, think it everything was... with the interns and her reading glasses and her. She did an Instagram story the other day. I guess she's at the townhouse. I guess they're like trying to resell it or get new renters. And she was like, "Look at the backyard. It's a Shangri La. Let's go look at the koi." She goes, "Oh, the koi's. They had babies." I was like, "I don't even know why I'm watching." why I'm laughing, but why you I'm now are. sitting on a podcast talking about and it. And you can't look away. And that is that is the joy of Sonia Tremont Morgan. Absolutely. Just can't look away. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you, Megan, so much for being on this week. Um, let everyone know where they can find you in your podcast. Well, thank you for having me on. My show is Bravo Happy Hour, and it's a new show. And then we do bonus episodes about whatever random half-baked idea I come up with. Um, 
and it's out on Tuesdays and Fridays. But thank you for having me on because I love recapping. Like, I know. I love going in deeper because it also it allows for me to have a conversation with someone who has just a different brain and different thoughts than me. And so then I can have more well-informed conversations about what's happening in the news with all these people. And I just love, I just love recapping. I love, I love Bravo so much. I love Bravo too. I also, it's so interesting because there is so much news, you know, there's so much happening all the time that it's hard to keep up, but I love that we get to watch the shows, which are the past. And then we're watching them relive their past you know, and yeah. then we're paying attention to what's happening in the present because Instagram allows us to see what's going on. So it's just like this very interesting bubble that we're all kind of like, like a black Absolutely. hole that we're all pulled into. <laughs> we can't work our way out of. And I think right now is especially interesting for how Bravo is going to mix things up because mm-hmm. so many shows have stopped filming because of the quarantine but now it's like there's a massive civil rights movement happening none of which will be on television in addition to people quarantining and how that has affected people emotionally mentally physically financially in a million different ways where everybody on bravo is struggling with that period doesn't matter who you are you're not unscathed from a global pandemic um, like unless you're like fucking Jeff Bezos or something making like trillions of dollars off of people, but <sighs> you know, so I'm I'm excited to see. And my show now is fun because it is talking about what's happening in current day. Mm-hmm. And then six, seven, eight months later, you see it on television. You say, oh wow, Lala and Fifty Cent and Foxy Gate was never even touched on this season. So many things that were happening are not shown on the show. And then it's fun having those discussions just to say. Why was this not happening? Right. Or why, who do you think was being protected? And was it because there was a legal thing or this? Or, you know, so it's just, it's a fun angle of looking at it. But I do, like, love recapping more than anything. I just did, actually, The Real Housewives of D.C. I did literally six-part series about the D.C. Housewives. And I was joking with my friend who did all of them with me. I'm like, we've actually talked more about the show than actually hours of the show ever aired on television like (laughs) this is so mortifying but it's not it is it is something to be proud of I think you should be proud of it thanks my mom's (laughs) like oh it only took you two months I'm like yeah listen to that back though (laughs) oh my gosh well thank you so much for being on it was it's always fun to, to chat with you you have so much love for Bravo. And I just I love talking to people that, you know, this is kind of our way to get away from everything. But also, it's a like prison for which we see the world sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Good well, or bad. Thinking, I mean, every time I see the smallest little thing, I'm like, Oh, my God, you know, so and so drives that car or Oh, my God, I think she has that person. I'm like, why, why do I know I in my brain? Yeah. Why? Why? But comes the territory well I hope that you have a good rest of your week and stay safe and stay hydrated (laughs) oh my god you're on the east coast all right well this was really fun (laughs) we will talk soon bye
me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.